Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Joshua T. Bergla, and I'm host of Gratitude Unfiltered Remixed. We are brought to... <laughs> You'd think I'd butcher it. I, I have this whole flow of how I like to do things, and I butcher this intro every single time. Even having an intro video, I screw up my intro. How is this possible? Anyway, welcome to Gratitude Unfiltered Remixed. Uh, today is going to be a lot of fun. We have an amazing story. Uh, that you guys are, you're just going to love. It's its its just freaking awesome. Everything I know about the story is incredible. So you're not, you're not going to want to miss it. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this word from my, it's actually my wife. <laughs> I'm not drunk. I swear to you, not drunk. I'll be right back. Joshua T. Berglund, and welcome to Gratitude Unfiltered Remix. I feel like I should flip that around, but there's something about my dyslexia today that is a little hyperactive. Oh, well. This is my second broadcast of the day. I freaking love doing this show, and uh, so blessed to have you here. We're in for a treat. So those of you know, I had I had a little uh, t temporary talk show that I did called Live Life Free. Um, and what, what we did in that, those episodes or in that broadcast or in that show or whatever the heck you want to call it, um, we talked about the human trafficking. We exposed all different sides, some of the people that were involved in it. Um, the one thing that I did not have the opportunity to do when I was doing that broadcast uh, was interview some of the people that have survived because ultimately it's their stories that matter. I mean, I'm all about celebrating the heroes and the people that are, you know, financially supporting the people that are freeing the victims, the people that are helping rehabilitate. But it's very, very rare that you meet somebody that's been through it. But it's also taking their experience and what they went through and using the power of media and just getting in the trenches and getting dirty and making things happen to help free, keep people free and set others free. Guys, you're in for a treat. The one, the only. I believe, actually, oh, hold on. I think there's something I'm supposed to show. I'll bring her on screen for this, though. Yeah, I have a clip, and I'm going to bring her on, but you want to stay tuned for that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an absolute pleasure 
In fact, I know there's a movie being made about this because that's the, the clip I'm going to show you. And the filmmaker is with her. And he's a friend of mine. This is going to be awesome. You guys don't want to miss it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Miss Tana. Is it Tana Buck? Tona. Tona. Like Tone Low, but Tona. Yep. Tona. Right. What's up, everybody? What's up, Carl? How you doing, man? I don't know why I have a sweater vest on. My wife bought me a sweater vest. And, and I just never had it on, but I'm sweating. I got boob sweat right now. And uh, it's 60 degrees in my basement. So. <laughs> but don't feel bad because we are in the middle of the ghetto in my little behind apartment and we had to cut the air off to record. So needless to say, um, black woman hair going to sweat in about an hour. Just letting you know. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it's going to sweat up. I'm going to look like a chair pack in about an hour. Don't, don't let this fool you. It's hot up in this little ghetto apartment. But come <laughs> Great things. I'm going from out of the ghetto. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's out. We, we, we got this stuff. We got cameras on us, lights on us. I, then I'm a candle person. I got candles all over the place. Mind you, it's going to like a chair pack in an hour if we don't get me all finished. Just let me know. <laughs> I, I, this time we won't be an interview with a real black woman. Hi. Talk about. <clears throat> I'm going to cough. Like, I, I'm not ready to start laughing like this. Holy jeez. <laughs> Tona, I'm going to have to say Tone Loke in my head. All right, Tona, take a breath really quick. Tona, Tona, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful that I have scars that are healed on me. Ooh. Can I explain? Do it. Okay. So when I was about 18 years old, I was washing dishes and um, my finger went through a glass, right? And so when it went through the glass, it didn't hurt when it was under the water. But when uh -huh. I took it out of the water, it instantly started burning and it, the pain was severe. So what I should have done was go to the um, hospital to get stitches, but I didn't right. want to go. So it bled for a long time. So it didn't heal properly. It didn't heal properly, right? So to this day, I, was, I did this when I was 18. It keyed lower. It didn't left an ugly scar. Now, when I look at this scar, I know that something happened. I can, rem I can actually remember the pain of what happened when I um, did this accident, uh -huh. but I'm not hurting anymore. Hmm. So this is where I'm at um, spiritually and in my soul. I've, I got a lot of ugly scars, and I'm not from human trafficking. I, was start I started being sexually abused when I was three years old. By somebody that I loved and I trusted. And so oh. that, I have a whole lot of scars. Not many. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm a sexual abuse advocate for a reason. And so all these scars, not only the scars that I'm talking about physically, I'm talking about my spiritual, my scars, and my soul, they are healing. Some are healed more than others, but not one scar. I don't remember how I got it, but the healing process lets me know that the person don't have control over my pain anymore. Oh, that's good. So they don't have control over my pain. I, I remember, but I don't hurt like I heard it when they was doing the act or when I was going to do, I'm um, going for 25 years of a process of being healed, of being sexual abused for many years by somebody that I love and somebody that I trusted. But if we're going to talk about human trafficking, because that's something I really want to get into really fast. Um, 80, um, 89% of us who were sexual abuse survivors end up being um, human trafficked. So this all connects from being drugs, human traffic, 
all our all, every choice. So we got a whole lot to talk about. So what am I grateful for? That scar, this scar, the scar in my heart, the scar in my spirit, the scars in my soul that I have um, encountered. But many of them are healed, and some of them are still healing. Hey, amen, and thank God that you admitted it because I this is a healing journey, and understanding sexual trauma the way that I do because it yeah it's a journey and it's and then here's the other thing too that's a little tricky those that have been through sexual trauma they do get to a place in their healing journey where they get stronger the the problem is we can undo our healing like that and how do you do it do you know how we undo our healing? Yeah. First of all, so so this is how I undo my illness. That's very um, easy because um, I teach trauma recovery for Yale University. For I taught trauma recovery for Yale University for many years. And so what happens is they're triggers. So we can either make choices that a couple of reasons, a couple of reasons. I got I wrote a book about this. I don't got my books. Anybody bring my books? So one of the reasons why we can be unhealed is that we have triggers. Right, triggers are real. Anything, anytime you experience a traumatic experience, triggers are real. Sometimes we put ourselves back in the same position, the same positions that we were in while we were healing, or we thought we were healed. And sometimes it's just weeds in our soul that has us. And so, even though we may think that we're fully healed, I just believe that it's the journey, and I will be fully healed fully healed from sexual abuse trauma because that's a whole nother beast we're talking about. Um, when I leave this earth, because again, like you said. There are things that reoccur that I don't know if it made me unhealed per se, but those triggers are real. And those triggers are okay. real. They don't ever go away. So the triggers remind us of what we get to heal from, but how we can undo the actual healing that's taken place is by giving our seed or sharing our seed or sharing our spirit or our soul with someone else. Have you ever heard of soul ties? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anytime we have sex with somebody, we're basically exchanging DNA. We're transferring uh -huh. our soul, our spirit. So I'm using hand analogies here. Uh, maybe not the best thing to do, <laughs> but <laughs> I talk with my hands. I can't help it. Now, why do we do this and connect it? Yeah, so, but when we do that, if it's an unclean spirit that we take on, mm -hmm. Or we do, we go back to an old situation. Like for me, I was a chem sex addict. So I would do some pretty. Addict? I'm sorry. Can you, can you explain that to me? What is a chem sex addict? What is yeah. that? So it's a term that's used for people that uh, party and play is another thing, but it's basically where you're combining methamphetamine, cocaine, and with the act of sex with it. Oh, so it's like. No. A, it's an addiction to both. In other words, I didn't go have sex with somebody without needing to do drugs. And I didn't do drugs without needing to have sex with everything that walked. So mm -hmm. I, I would go on four day meth I would go on four day binges of sleeping with I the numbers were disgusting at a, in, in a four day span, just giving up my body, giving up my body, giving up my body because this high was unquenchable. So it was obviously a demonic possession, but it's also a chem sex addiction. You were feeding enough demon, right? Because I have a lust. Hmm? Listen, sexual abuse kids. So you were feeding a lust demon technically, because a lot of children who are sexual abused, because we're not introduced to sex correctly, we don't understand the logistics of a healthy sexual relationship. I want a book about it. Trust me. And so with yeah, that so said, we deal with we with lust demons. 
Yeah. So get the back to the soul tie comment. How the reason why trauma happens when you are a child is you're taking on. That's why people that talk about disassociative identity disorder, uh, borderline personality disorder, even bipolar disorder. And if it comes from trauma, like sexual trauma, it's a spiritual problem. It's not something you can take medicine for. You got to remove the demons. That's essentially what this is, is a demonic possession. So I'm not speaking for you. I'm saying for me, it was a demon. And I just kept on taking more demons and more demons and more demons to the point that it didn't matter if I was married. It didn't matter if I had children. All I cared about was feeding the demons inside of me with drugs and sex. So I know how hard, how hard it is to recover. And so that said, the way when I was talking about how you lose your healing is by letting those spirits come back in. That's where I was going with all that. So I don't know where I got the human trafficking thing about you from. So forgive me. I, I thought that you had been trafficked. And no, I did. I, so, my life was horrible, but I wasn't trafficked. Thank God. Okay, for tell me about your story because I don't know where I made this up at. I swear to you, I thought no, was that's okay. So, this is how I like to introduce myself. Hello, my name is Tony okay. Buck, and I'm a sexual abuse survivor. I started being sexual abused at the age of three by somebody I know, um, and that I trusted and that I loved. That I it was my mother's boyfriend at the time, and I called him my dad. And, um, obviously, he was a predator and he was really good. I was really fortunate. Mm, I'm not fortunate. Anyway, let me go back. So um, I experienced horrific, horrible sexual acts by this man until I was about seven years old, um, to the point that I just remember, like, so I did a documentary, right, about my life and about other warriors' lives um, a few years ago. So let me go back and bring this all together. Is that okay? Okay, let me bring it all yeah. together for you. So... Um, a, couple, a few years ago, I was having a party at my house and I walked my dog. I was walking my dog and I got hit by a car and I left me on the street like an animal. Okay. Oh my so, God. This, yeah, that's my street. I still don't know who hit me to this day. I actually just left the doctors um, about an hour and a half ago because I re injured the knee and they still can't do nothing. So, I've been in pain for six years, um, bit, bit, it been hit, ran down like an animal, left on the street to die. So, when that happened, in my mind, I had. And I so this is why you when you ask me, you know, how do we um become unhealed? It my because of trauma again. So what I did not realize is when I got hit by the car, the trauma of being hit like an animal and left on the street, yeah. and the trauma from my childhood from being sexual abused and horrific rape, um, um horrific raised for four years by this man that I call my dad, um it it came together and it exploded right. And so yeah. now the car hit me, it damaged my brain. I um, bust up in my head. It hit me so hard it knocked my boot off my foot. I went for writing hundred page grants and not being able to spell three letter words. Um, it damaged my neck that we still don't even know what the outcome of my neck is going to be to this day. And this is it'll be seven years, um, one hundred nine of um twenty twenty two, and I I still suffer every day. So now I'm sitting at this um the doctor's office in New York who's telling me, Tony, you need to go see a therapist because the right side of your brain was so damaged that it's going to mess with your emotions and and so. It's not like I didn't do therapy before. I, I believe in therapists, depending on, you know, a good therapist, but I do believe in therapy. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. I, I Yeah, I believe in God. Thank God. Uh, I got anyway, my opinions too. Now, yeah, I had, all of them didn't help me, but I've had a few. So now I'm sitting in this um, doctor's office in New York because I'm from New, Jer I'm from New Jersey. And so, so the doctors um, in New Jersey couldn't help my brain. It wasn't healing. 
So he sends me to New York and the doctor in New York says to me, Tona, I need for you to go see a therapist because the right side of your brain is severely injured. Um, literally, this all happened in a split second. I'm going to say it again. I was having a party at my house. My friends was in my house. I took one minute, something I do all the time. is I'm going to walk my dog in a split second. I was on my way to um, the trauma center while my friends was in my house having a good time. So now, let me add it back in. So now I am... Um, I'm going to this therapist and I find out that this trauma is coming back. So in the midst of me going to the therapist, one of the things that I always wanted to do, because um, I actually wrote books and can you give me those books, please? I'm an author too. So anyway, so as I was- um, <laughs> You're a busy woman. Through, I have ADD. I call it and ass greatness to me. <laughs> people say, you know, you got attention deficit disorder no it's called it's it's ad the other one it's ad and so thank you so nah, i just um, think you're excited now, <laughs> so now i am i'm always excited i get to speak so now i am um seeing this therapist and she's putting the two together and so i said to myself um i want to do a documentary i always want to do a documentary about um people who survive sexual abuse especially for brown and black people because we don't talk about it i know all other cultures no. don't talk about it but for our culture, what's done in the house really stays in the house. And so this is that's why the predators keep um, um, going to generation, 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 because we really don't have the power at all to talk about it. And even now, like if you look at social media and things, our black, brown and black people are still not talking about it. So this is why my why, um, purpose is so great. So now yeah. I want to do this documentary. So I do this documentary and it is a hot mess. <laughs> I got an Apple computer. But I got 10 warriors. Um, 90% of the warriors have never told their stories in front of anyone but me. So the identity of this video is so real. Like I had people afterwards, they was like, can they tell the story over? No, they cannot. They can't because that was the first time that they told it live. And I told them millions of people were going to see it. They signed off for it. So these warriors, these African-American warriors told their stories for the first time. And it blew my mind because I knew my story and how horrific my story was. And so I organized um, Trenton's first HIV and AIDS walk when I was a kid. And I also organized Trenton's first cancer walk that went on for like 10 years. And so now Wait, I'm time sorry. Out, time out. I want to, I want to back you up. Sorry. I'm going to interrupt you because you, you go on flows and I want to get questions in and, and, and so don't, don't take it as disrespect because all your story is amazing. But I also want you to save some of it for the documentary. Okay. Why did you get involved with HIV? That that world because that's that's a personal thing. Yeah. yeah. So my sister, Dr. Cheryl Bellamy, Yale University, shout okay. out. My sister, Dr. Um, um, Cheryl Bellamy, um, ended up um, working in this field, and so she came to me, and I was a kid. I was like maybe 21, and I really didn't know too much about HIV and um, AIDS then. And so. The one thing that I do know that I'm good at when my community, when, when I'm educated, because I never thought that I was like the smartest person in the whole world, but I was very knowledgeable and I'm definitely not the dumbest. But if I didn't know something in my mind, my 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 black community didn't know about it. So when I heard about HIV and how I was plaguing the community, and then I found out the people that I knew um, were affected by um, HIV or AIDS. I instantly became an advocate for it. I, I ended up getting a job for Urban League, and um, 
I became, I, I gave her like, I'm seriously, I gave like 5,000 condoms in one summer. Like, so as soon as I knew that something was um, plaguing and um, affected the African-American community, it was not being talked about, I instantly was like, what can I do? So I ended up mm. um, becoming a part of this amazing organization. And like I said, we, um, and I met so many mm -hmm. beautiful, amazing people who were white, black, blue, green. It was so many of them. And I just, and I, and I had a connection with them and uh, I knew that um, I needed to be a voice for them. Right. Yeah. I never had a voice growing up. So I knew I needed to be a voice. Even at a young age, I knew I needed to be a voice for them, especially in a brown and black community. So I, um, I, like I said, I ended up um, working with an organization that um, was, the powerhouse in the city of Trenton at that time for AIDS and HIV. And I, um, and I did it for maybe like five or six years and I loved every experience. And I was very privileged to be a part of an amazing group who actually, like I said, organized Trenton first HIV and AIDS war. So we was able to walk through the whole city of Trenton to educate people about um, HIV. And then I, you know, I got to, I did um, classes and sessions and, you wow. know, it was, it was an amazing experience for me. And I was a little girl at that age, but I understood that something was not only plaguing the black and brown community, the whole world, but again, because my community does not talk about nothing really. They, I knew something they don't. About. They don't. You know, and I want to, I mean, it's as a white dude, Carl and I, the white guys, I'm about to talk about all this, but first of all, I have HIV. So God bless okay. you for doing what you're doing. And, and I, I'm amazed and I guess I get it, but I'm amazed with how silence people that have it are, mm -hmm. especially those who now have the right medication to live healthy where they're not spreading it. They're healthy themselves. Why they're not talking about it blows my freaking mind. Because here's the thing. There's still such a stigma around it. There's such a stigma around it. And it's and it's heartbreaking because that's not the reality. So God bless you for doing that, for fighting for the people that won't use their own voice. But then here it is. You have a, all of these other issues. You're one of the most – you're born an African-American woman. One of yeah. the toughest things to be in the world, yeah. period. It's, 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 it's tough. I read this book called, um, gosh, it was written. I forgot the name of it, but it was about the different breakdowns of like being a white man, white woman, African-American oh, yeah. woman, Indian woman, and so on. And they literally statistically proved that the most challenging thing to be is an African-American woman. To be a black woman. It's, it's, so, it's, you, you never I, I, I applaud you for under, trying to understand our culture. Well, I want to understand everything. This world would be a better place. They think they think that when we say things that we you know we just been um, extra or whatever. No, no, this is our oh. reality that you are blessed to never have to experience. It's our we we were born this way. We didn't ask to be this way. Um, like it, it's real. But let me I'll just say I something wanna, really fast. Can we go back okay. to HR really fast? What's scary to me more so. Um, is that they do have medicines and people are still not talking, um, and people are still, you know, being ashamed about it. They act like it, it doesn't exist. 
Like that's my fear. Like people are still having unprotected sex. I'm like, why are you having unprotected sex? Like this is still something real. Yeah, you have new medicines, but we still need to make me still still need to make um good, uh, better sexual choices. And because and like yeah. I remember at one time, like in the 80s when I did the walk, maybe 90s. I don't remember. How, mm, okay, I, I'm telling my age because I'm gonna be 25 forever. But anyway, with that, said, <laughs> you know, Magic Johnson got it. And so it was like plethora of money coming into the African-American communities to, you know, to educate people. And they had the needle trade in it. And, and so it was a lot. Now it's like nobody's talking about it. Like you may see a couple of commercials about the new medicine and it's not. It's, and that's new. I'm like, that's it. I'm like, what is going on? Well, so, so I can tell you in that community, the other the other thing that's probably going to be a curse is prep. Because now PrEP has given people a license to basically, uh, look, like I said, I was a chemsex addict, so I, I kind of know a lot of these things that go on in the underground sex world. And it's like a license to basically bang whoever you want. I, for lack of better term, it's very, very dangerous. And it is scary. But the problem is when it all gets down to, this is what I've experienced and and I'm, Look, I've, I'm not the fur, I'm the furthest thing from racist. I've always been the furthest thing from racist. I I love people, um, and and I want everyone to have an equal opportunity at success. That is like one of my greatest passions. One of the things that was upsetting and why we started the nonprofit media organization that my wife and I have is because when I was in Chicago three years ago, I was speaking at an event, and all of these kids from the inner city of Chicago were brought to this event and I got to hear a lot of the stories. One of the most troubling stories I heard about the African American community is I, I didn't I only heard it from African Americans. I didn't hear it from anyone else. So I don't know if it's an African American thing or not, but this is what I heard and I want you to speak to it. Okay. This is the kids talking. When I tell my mommy and daddy that I want to be a policeman or a teacher or a fireman or a doctor or go into the military or an attorney or whatever, fill in the blank. When I tell them this, they tell me, who the blank do you think you are? Do you think you're better than us? Why is that? I, I can't, I know you, it's not everybody, but why is that so prevalent in the community that you're holding up, not you, but the community is no, no. holding future generations down and keeping them from success. Why is that? Because it starts on slavery. <laughs> when we had um, black people over the slaves and they were still beating us and keeping us in bondage. So it's like crabs in a barrel. So many African-Americans, not, not all, but many African-Americans, um, they are used to this lifestyle and they think that if it, wow. you have, if you dream bigger than them, that, um, that something's wrong with you, you can't do it. So it really does happen, especially I'm in the inner city. I'm an educator in the inner, inner city. I worked with children right. for 20 plus years in the inner city. So I've seen this. The, my daddy went to jail, my granddaddy went to jail, the kids go to jail, and that's normal. My grandmother live in a project, I live in a project, my kids live in a project, my great grandkids in a project. And then you have generations like me and people that I'm around. In, in my thought process, every generation is supposed to get better. Right. Yeah. So I was a teen. I was a fourth. I was a fourth. Um, I was a fourth generation teenage mother. So um, my daughter, my son gave me uh, my first granddaughter at 27, and then my daughter got married, finished college. She's working. On, she's she got one more month for her master's, and she is um now married and planning a baby. So in my mind, 
depending you have to be you have to have strong mentors in this community so i have a t-shirt that says me what's going to change this um community um mentor um mentor educate in, in exposing people so these people who say these things to their children they haven't been exposed but because i was blessed and many people in my circle have been blessed i stay in the community help i help educate the community i have two amazing children like i said they broke generational curses because they can't be broken it's just not going to change they are broken and i broke many generational curses in my <laughs> from my literature and i'm gonna continue and every generation gets better and so for those who have not experienced that my daughter asks me that all the time like how did you know to do this i really don't know how i knew to do this um my mother started the um the change but um she's an evangelist so my mother started to change but ultimately somewhere even as a um a bit i hate to say to use the word broken a bit little girl who was sexual abused and harmed for uh, four years by this from behind sick man something in my mind still kept telling me that i need the best for my children i just need the best for my children and so um people who um who live in these communities our jobs are very important i don't care if you're black or white they're very important to pour into our children because if their parents are not educated i mean just minimum educated i ain't even talk about no college education i'm just talking about minimum educated, like ninth grade education you know like literally and if they haven't been exposed to nothing but the 7.3 miles or whatever inner city communities they've been raised in they really don't know that that's better for their children they really are competitive to tell their children that you can't be better but for many of us we come back to the community we educate our kids and we teach them a better way and so that's I, i've been blessed to be um to go come across probably uh, 15,000 children in my lifetime and I get to pour life in every last one of them and tell them what they can be and you, you the two things in your life you could be more than an athlete or or a rapper uh, we can be politicians we can be police officers we can be educators so that's very important for mentors to come back into the school because they are so this is a repetitive generational curse that the parents the parents are the best they know how can I just say that they know yeah. they do the best they know how Depending on the generations who raised them, and like I said, this sounds from slavery. This just didn't start out of nowhere. That um, we didn't want our, um, our generations to be better. That's all they knew. What can white people that uh, a white ma white male, a white male? Because I don't want to speak for women. I want to speak for myself. What can I do? Like, as a white guy in America that wants to make a difference, that genuinely cares about helping break the cycle breaking the chains for lack of a better word like what can we do to contribute to make this better there's a few things that um white men or white america could do for um african americans <laughs> one of the things is to um stop saying colors don't matter color do matter you could white america could say color don't matter, matter because when you look at when you when we play baseball they're already born on home plate when we're born, we are not even in the game yet, right? So a lot of issues that come between um, African-Americans or brown and black people and white America is they want to say, oh, color doesn't matter, but it does matter. And we need to, we need you to acknowledge that it matters, that there is a racism problem in this world. That's number one. Mm -hmm. It does matter. And so the other thing that you can do is what you're doing right now, opening up a platform for other um, cultures and colors 
to hear us, to understand what it's like to be African-American or just have forms about what it is. That's very important, especially coming from white America. So I can have all the platforms that I want, but hearing from someone that um, their same skin color is totally different. So what you're doing is very important for us. And thirdly, being able to know that you're needed just as much as we're needed in these inner city schools. We, I tell, I, I tell my, um, my amazing white co-workers and I love them immensely. I tell them that you play a part in these African-American kids because my school district is probably 98% black. So when mm. so I said, you're going to bring a knowledge to these kids. You're going to be able to tell them about Ireland or wherever, whatever your, um, whatever your background is that they would never know. So mentoring, educating, and exposing our children is going to be very, it is very important. So, um, so, so with that, um, it's very, very important that we come together to, um, to educate and, um, and be a light to these children because it's hard. Do you, I think one of the hardest things for me is to be an African-American woman raising a black boy that's 6'4". 6'4"? Six, four. Six, four. I'm 5'7". I'm not standing up. I'm 5'7". And he, yeah, so when, when, most of the world fears him just because he's the sweetest, loving, loving, loving son I could ever ask for the best son in the whole entire world. So when you have, a, when you are a black mother raising a black son in the inner city, your whole fear, if he don't answer that call, and my son is oh. 32, and it, to this day, if I call him or text him and he don't text or call me back, I instantly start to panic. Because I know that he could either or be dead by the cops' hands, by yeah. being at the wrong place at the right time. We, we got gangs, we got drive-by shootings. So that is so to be black in America is um is a death sentence for so many of us, not because we're doing anything wrong, again, just because of the color of our skin. Yeah. Wow. So you are doing I, a great job. And thank you for giving me the platform to talk about it. Well, I mean, I care about it. I One of my best friends in the world, so I'll give you a little quick backstory. I grew up in Oklahoma, went to high school. My high school probably had, I think I graduated with maybe, maybe more, a little bit more, but six, seven, eight wow. black people. <laughs> and I was, friends with, I was friends with most of them, but it wasn't like it was that many. But I remember going into high school and going into the locker room the first day of football practice and seeing this guy, I'm going to say his name because I love him and we're still friends. His name's Ahmed Cooper. In my mind, you know, he's, he's eight feet tall and he's this big, scary looking black guy. And I'm like, because I didn't play against white people. I mean, black people in junior high football. <laughs> like, And I grew up around all white people. So it's like, wow, he's big and different than me. And I was terrified of him. I swear to you, if he would not have come up to me the very first day that I was there and been like, what's up, little bro? And like, just loved on me. Love I don't know you. how different my viewpoint would have been. Yeah. But I'm so grateful for that because I never had the opportunity to think anything different because he was so amazing to me. And we're still friends to this day. But I, I interviewed him a couple of years ago. And it was about a completely different topic. He does some really cool things in the world. But he was telling me about how in Oklahoma, when he gets pulled over, some of the things that he has to do, wow. 
Yeah. And it just, and I know I not mean, all cops are bad, but this is the nicest guy I know. Like the sweetest Virginian man. And he's terrified. That's not color of our skin. They don't care about if we're educated, uneducated, whatever. They fear it's us from the color of our skin. From the time my son was able to walk and talk properly, we were telling him, make sure you hold on the serum, make sure you put your hands out the window, make sure that this is a this is a normal routine that we that we would do without 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 black boys. But listen, so listen, it's it's hard for us. But so I don't want to lose focus on this really fast. So, yeah, yeah. So let so, so let me finish. So let me finish the um. So let me finish the um. Carl is talking to tell me talk about the video. So let me finish telling you because you asked me about what, what I was doing. Okay, so as I was home, the press, I did the um I did the documentary and it was amazing. But when I was sitting there the whole time, I was having nightmares again. Like you said, I like my healing, it was really um traumatic for me to sit there and listen to nine other warriors tell their stories. And their stories made my stories like a piece of cake in my mind. So um, I said, Tony, what are you gonna do? Like I said. It's literally, I was like, "Ooh, I thought I had it bad." So you hear other people's stories. Not that mine yeah. was, wasn't bad; it was bad. But they were being raped at eight years old. Raped, oh. yes, raped. And so I did everything from you know my arm getting broke because I wanted um suck this man's penis to you know be my book. so but not saving my book. This this book, read my book. That second Tona book, Amazon.com. It's a story about my journey from three to becoming an advocate so anyway so now i'm sitting home i'm saying tony what are you going to do so i said that i wanted to do um a, a sexual assault walk because i didn't know that um until i did the research that april was for sexual assault walks so now april's here um i tell i'll be starting um january we have about 400 or something people in new jersey and then that was first straight walk then i went to new jersey's walk and then um, um then we went we used to four states and then COVID came, so I walked that year to um, represent. So last year we did our first, and I, this is what I need you and your audience help at for two things. One is that we're doing the biggest, um, last year we did a worldwide virtual walk. So I had about seven um, people from seven different countries, about um, 20 something people from different states that walked from different. So this year I want the biggest worldwide walk ever. So in the process of doing the walk, it then um, with the brain injury not being able to spell three little words i did this book um that second and then um we That's did inspiring, um, by the way like I said, so what i am excited about right now is the 2021 april 9th we're going to do another world i'm with the biggest worldwide walk ever done in ever ever history but i also want uh I have um, this amazing crew that's going to help me and i would i'd love for you to be a part of it i my new documentary so my, my first documentary is called Why We Didn't Tell. Um, Tona Buck is on um, YouTube. But the second one is enough because it's a, it's a second part of Why We Didn't Tell. And so I met this these two amazing people who, if you come in here and sit down, Carl, come here. So Yeah, Carl. Because so Carl, Carl gets nervous. So That's a good I, segue. So, 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 come so, on, so, Carl. Don't be shy. It's Carl, you need to be relaxing. So Carl and Anna, I met Carl. Uh, a while back and he so we were talking he you know he has this amazing media company called vigilant vigilance uh media right so they are doing like amazing great things and so while i so i was happy that they took the opportunity to want to support me and my purpose for no more is enough and so when i met carl and anna um carl was like tona you know i'm doing this and i told him about my documentary and so then he hooked me up with villa um nova college um with this amazing film crew so my second documentary will be started we will start being taped uh 
um, in November, along with Carl like Carr, um, Maxwell, and his uh, media, um, amazing media um, crew, and um, Villanova, because I wanted to be professionally done. I think that uh, more so for me, giving a voice to the voices, because of course we don't talk about it, but I also want to um, educate people about what it's really like to walk in, in, in our shoes, right? Because people don't get it unless they hear it. Like when people read my book, they were like, oh my God, Charlie, I didn't know it was that bad. No, it actually was PG. People are reading my book in 48 hours. <laughs> It's a PG compared to what really happened to me. I just wanted to make it nice for y'all to hear it. So again, I was excited that Carl and Anna, um, hopefully Carl will come and join me um, in a few minutes so that he could tell us about his um, about his um, his media um, projects that he's doing because they're doing great work. Why are you um, being so shy, Carl? <laughs> come on, Carl. Come over here, Carl. I know he's nervous because he told me he was nervous. Come on, man. He's nervous. I'm nervous. I'm always working. I'm always doing stuff in the background. He is. So the lights went down and stuff. So Carl, you know, he had to go and be the interviewer and to make sure the screen is set up. And this has got a hard job to do, and I appreciate you. Hey, you need a new camera. So tell us about about your organization. No, no, no. You sure? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He has questions. Go ahead. Josh, By the way, ahead, Donna, you need a camera, yes. and I'm going to give you one. I'm going to oh, donate a camera to you because your camera quality sucks, and you're going to be doing a lot of. Our phones in this good, but it does a carpet, right? I'm looking. I want you to send me your address when this is over, and the Live Bottom Worldwide Foundation is going to donate this to you for your work, so that when you appear on camera, you look better, because. You ain't seen. ghetto, honey. You're you're amazing, and you're you're go, you're gonna be a world changer. So we need everyone to see it. So I'm gonna send this to you. So Carl, will you make sure I get her? Okay. So 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 Josh. So this is so this is what so this is what we're doing, right? So we are in the process now of raising funds for this documentary because I am going to speak in front of millions of people one day about my movement. And I believe that this documentary is going to be a gateway to let people know what we're doing. And it's gonna cost, it, it is what it is. And um, so I actually have a little snippet. I have a um, Carl and Anna text me asking for people to look me up, tonabuck.com if you wanna help with the movement. And I'm looking for people all over the world. I only need one mm -hmm. person from more than country, from every state, to be with me on April night. We are going to video it. Mm -hmm. We will have a 24-hour video, so everybody from all over the world during their time can show. They can be on their cameras, on their phones. They can they can um, come in and walk anywhere in the world and say that I'm standing for no more. I'm standing for enough. I support your purpose. Either if I'm a um, survivor, advocate, or I've never been touched. I know in my mind that this is wrong and we want to stop it. So this is one of the things that I did too, because why would I not do it? So I wrote a children's book. It's called Stop Safe Touches Only, Please. And up to this day, I've been able to give out about 900 plus because people donated. Mm -hmm. So 900 kids have a wow. book that is safe touches only, please. Um, I wrote the book and my daughter, Tayana Amosorio, she illustrated it. And it's really good. It teaches children about their body parts. It teaches them about good and bad touches. It, it gives them the power to tell and not be afraid um, if somebody does touch them. You're saying something that's important because yeah. how many out there that are watching right now can 
remember a time when your mom or dad said, you need to go hug your uncle or you need oh, to yes. go do this or you need to go do that. And the whole time you're like, no, well, I didn't know this because I'm, you know, a grown baby basically. Uh, but now that I'm learning to be a father to a five and six year old, one of the things that I couldn't understand is when I would want to, to you know, hug and show affection to the new two, the two new stepkids. When they say no, like you got to respect that, especially when they barely know you. But my brain was like, hey, I'm your stepdad. You should hug me. But no. how silly am I? And so now when the kids, when we're out in public, I mean, I learned pretty quick, but now I see other parents going, go give them a hug and pushing them Never. the whole time. I'm thinking this is how people end up getting raped. This yeah. is how people learn to ignore their, their, uh, what's the, the discretion, that voice inside that says, that freaking guy's the creep, stay away from me. Like kids are smart. So you're we right. Take the power from them. We hmm? take, so, so, so my, so my whole thing is, I remember when my mother said to me, um, she said to me, Tona, um, I wish you would have told me. I said, I didn't know what to tell that three years old. Why the heck would I have known to tell you that this grown man got me, got my tiny hands around his penis so he can have orgasms? Why would I know that? Why would I know at yeah. six years old, you got me watching porno, trying to put a dildo in me? Why would I know that? Nobody taught me that. So my job is to make sure I educate children because I've had thousands of parents to ask me, Tona, how do I protect my child? You educate the child because the predator is going to pray and they're going to do what they're going to do. So they don't mm. know that they have power. I guess their children applaud the mother to say, I don't want, I wish that somebody would have hurt my child or would have touched my child growing up. They wasn't even allowed to go um, open, not over a safe person's house. And so in this book, it's so amazing. I'm so blessed to have been able to give out over 900 books. And I thank the people who donated the books. Um, so that I can do this is I want to give out millions of books. I don't ever want a child yeah. not to know what to do because of a price. I I I never even sold any of these books. No, no, I've no, never they was always donated. I'm gonna sign these books out. If you don't mind, Josh, see Go. the fire right here. Go. We're experienced right now. <laughs> you see the fire right here. Listen, my purpose is oh, real. I don't want any child to go without I, I have had I had a horrible childhood. Child. And I don't want any I don't want any victim to not know that their voice don't matter. Your voice do matter. I live in this, like God put me in this horrible neighborhood. At first I was mad at him, I'm being honest. I paid my first house off before I was 26. So now I'm in this horrific neighborhood where there is prostitution, drugs, homelessness. And I'm like, God, why am I here? So now I'm taking an opportunity. 99% of the women that I talk to, and I need y'all to hear this because my nose flipping up until I was put in this neighborhood. I'm, I'm grateful. What am I grateful for? To be in this neighborhood right now. Because I'm going to write about their stories in my next book that I'm writing right now for 2022. If you want a chapter, please let me know because I'm because I'm putting chapters together from uh, victims and survivors. So now I'm in this neighborhood and I'm asking people, every woman, 99% of the women, I'm asking them, who touched you? And I've got to strike me down. They look like they've seen a ghost. And they was like, no one ever asked me that. And so everyone, it was like every man that's in my family, my mama, boyfriend, my uncles, my every woman that's out there is out there because somebody made a choice for them. They didn't make that choice. Somebody took their lives when they were little hey. and they were not able to bounce back. Tana, for the sake of time, I got to do this. I really want you pray about this, do what you got to do. But I would love to give you the platform, like 
Apple TV, Roku, podcast, social media, all of it, give you the platform. That's part of, I guess, I guess this is why this camera is for you. Um, So that you can start a show where you can have a platform where you can speak out and use your voice. It'll help promote all of your books. It'll help promote your documentaries, but also it'll give you a platform for the women that you meet, even even the men, the men you meet, and the yeah. stories that you help share and you help break the stigma, that platform will be there for you to use, and we can help together. I'll work with you and teach you everything you need to know, but everything you need, you can go on, and you I'll teach you to do. I'll give you the camera, and then you can just share your heart freely. And you can help break this stigma like one person at a time, whether it's interviewing, whether it's doing your own stuff. I don't care. I want to get, I want to sow my time into you and to give you this platform to share. To raise your voice. That means so much to me. That means so much to me. Literally, I thank you for this. I've been telling people since I was 23, I had a vision that I was speaking in front of millions of people. I just didn't know how I was going to be. And people look at me like I'm crazy when I say that. I will speak in front of millions of people one day. I did not want this platform. I'm just being honest. I thought when God showed me the vision, I was going to be like a motivational speaker so I'm good at what I do. (laughs) I didn't know it was going to be for more. I was like, listen, God, if I knew you was going to do this mess, I would have just been like, ugh. But I, so I'm, I, I, what am I grateful for? I could, every time that would you ask me, keep going through my head as I'm talking to you. I'm grateful that I survived. I'm grateful that I that that young Tony didn't take my life. Amen. I'm saying I didn't want to. The thing is, I think people get it wrong. It's not that I didn't want to. It's not that I I, I wanted to die. I just didn't want to live. No, I so understand. I, I, listen, you're speaking my language. I everything that you're saying, even though we have different stories, I know that. Like I, I feel that. And uh, and I'm again, for the sake of time, I, I I do need to cut this off. But that's okay. We are gonna keep talking. Um, I'm gonna make sure. I want to get your information. I want to send you this webcam. It's brand new. Um, can I ask you a question, can, though? Can, yeah. I know we got set the time, but can you do like a little clip it up the document? Um, the little. Oh, I'm gonna play the. That's why I'm ending it, is so I can play the clip. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So really fast. Oh, I'm gonna play. Tonabuck.com or 609-331-9931. Again, Tonabuck.com. Woes of Warriors is my organization, uh, uh, my sexual abuse organization, rising over sexual abuse, or 609-331-9931. And I need you to play that clip because I need people to help us. So we uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play the clip, but also I'm going to make Thank sure, you. like after this is done, I'm going to send you the media kit. All of your links. So audience, I'm talking to you. All of the links for her books, her the documentary, everything she's doing is going to be in that media kit. So you'll be able to find her, support her, sew into her, and I encourage you to do it. Plus, she's about to have a new new TV show too, so that's pretty cool. All right, let's play this clip. Yeah, we're not messing around here. I'm serious. All right, here we go. Hello, my name is Tona Buck and I'm a sexual abuse survivor and an advocate. I started being sexual abused at the age of three by someone I knew and someone that I trusted. Did you know every nine minutes a child is being sexually abused 
one out of nine children under the age of 18 will be sexual abuse and 93% of us we don't even tell so the statistics that I just gave you they are not even about me and the others there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who has never told that they were sexually abused. How can we help? What can we do? I, um, I'm the founder of Rose Advising Over Sexual Abuse, and this organization is so powerful. Our goals are to educate children, empower them, empower and educate adults, but also be the voice for the voiceless, because there are so many, let me say that again, there are so many people who would never tell and that is like a slow cancer eating at these people's goals and dreams and everything that they're supposed to be. So right now, we are making a difference when it comes to sexual abuse. We are in the process of making an amazing documentary for 2022. And why a documentary? Because you and everyone needs to, um, need to hear our stories. But more importantly, people need to tell their stories so they can start the healing process, right? So we are doing a documentary that's coming in 2022. I'm also an author. I wrote a book called That Second. It talks about my life, the journey from being a three-year-old kid to how I end up being an advocate at this age. And then I also wrote a book with my daughter, Tay, um, Stop, Safe Touches Only, Please. And this book was designed to help empower children and educate children about sexual abuse, knowing that body parameters, um, how to say stop if somebody's doing something that they're uncomfortable with. At this time, I just need to thank all those who donated to, this, um, to these um, children books, because to this day, I've been able to give out over 800 children books to make sure these children are empowered. Let me say something, parents, and anyone who works with children, if it looked like a predator, if it talked like a predator, if it act like a predator, you wouldn't have your children around them. This is why 90%, 93% of us don't tell, because it's somebody we know and trust, and I need to paint that in you. And if it's not your child, let's get to get it together so nobody else's child will be victimized either. The thing that I'm happy about the most is that this will be Rose's fifth year such a salt um, walk. Last year, because of COVID, we, we decided to do a worldwide walk. It was awesome. But 2022, April the 9th, listen to what I'm telling you. We are going to put together the biggest worldwide sexual assault walk ever because this is not a brown issue this is not a white issue this is not a black issue this is a human issue it's, it doesn't matter how old you are how young you are people are being sexually victimized and we must stand together to say enough Amen. and that's what those warriors are about saying enough how can you help because we need your help i'm on here for a reason we need your help by donating the women who are coming to these retreats, I don't want them to pay anything out of pocket. We need money to get the information circulated um, for the walk. We need money to make sure this documentary goes worldwide. We need your help. We need your support. If you were ever victimized or if you were not victimized, we are all in this together and we are stronger together. Human trafficking is huge. Everything is stemmed from being sexually abused. It's literally, it's such a big issue that we are afraid to talk about. But we can't be afraid anymore. We have to join together and say enough. You can find me at tonabuck.com. You can find information about the Rosa organization at rosawarriors.org. We need your help. We're pleading for your help because we don't want it to be every nine minutes. We want it to be no minutes. I like her.
<laughs> I, I was sitting there going, I like that woman too. I hey. like her a little bit. I like her. She's no joke. She believes in what she's fighting for. Yeah, you know what? And I believe in you. And uh, you. anything I can do to support you, I am all in. You're my kind of human being. And uh, I, I can't wait to talk to you again. I, I okay, really can't. My, I, platform is for, my platform. Thank you. Thanks for inviting us. Really oh, for sure. You. So I'm going to email. I don't think I have your information, but I have Carl. So I'm going to email everything and then we'll be talking. You and I. Okay. I'm so going to send this camera to you and we're going to do this. Go ahead, Carl. Sorry, Josh. I know this isn't my my spot here. It is. Um, if you were invited, you just didn't talk at all. So. Come back, Carl. Carl, get come back on camera. Golly, it's like talking to my cat. No, no, no. Listen, I just want to say thank you for everything. I really appreciate what you. Please get on camera and say it. I want to see your face. I just need to say these words. Okay. I I want to say thank you for everybody that's helping us. You know, I came into this business because I wanted to help Tona and everybody that is involved in this type of, you know, inspiring, motivating, you know, helping people recover from every, you know, type of like negativity or abuse or anything in their hap that happened in their lives. But this is the reason why I started this. Um, this wasn't my spotlight here at all. That's okay. So, I appreciate you. Thank you. It, it's all Tona, and but listen, Joshua, I love you. I really appreciate what you did yeah, for us tonight. You know what I mean? And thank you. you so much for all the viewers that were able to, to tune in and and watch Tona. If you could please help us, we have this documentary for you know that we're trying to to, to raise funds for for Villanova University. It's a serious thing, you know. No, it is. It's very serious. So we're trying to get this to Netflix. I mean, they loved it so much. They want to do a passion project and a feature film and a series, possibly. So. We're we trying to get through, this down. but we're gonna shut this like down. I said, you know, Josh, we really appreciate you sharing this, you know, Josh, Josh, Josh we want to shut we'll it share. down. We're, we're not done. We're, we're, first of all, we're not done talking yet, and we're going to have other conversations, and we're not done working together because I believe in your mission. It matters. It's necessary. But, uh, Tana, I, I believe in you, and I believe Thank in your you. purpose and what God created you to do, and anything I can do to help elevate that, I'm going to do promise you thank you have, you have my word thank you all right thank you god bless thank you, you again. both Good night. see you soon thank okay you. okay bye, bye thank you so much josh i yes, appreciate you see you man tana and carl everyone she's awesome actually they both are i wish carl would have been on camera more but anyway um thank you guys for being here god bless you anyone that you know that and i i, I apologize so this is the problem with not preparing I just thought I knew what I was talking about, but the fact is it doesn't change the fact that her story matters. It's powerful and dead gummit. She's in the trenches doing something to fight back and fighting back the right kind of way, fighting back in a way that is actually going to do something. So I support her. I'm all in. I look forward to seeing what God has for her next. And um, thankful to you guys too. Thank you for being here. God bless you. No music on this broadcast. I'm going to just end the show now. So peace out.